0: Hey, welcome to the Life in Rhythm podcast. Thanks for joining us today as we continue our series on gospel clarity. Today, we're gonna be talking about gospel clarity on parenting. We're joined by Dr. Malin Griffiths. She is a clinical psychologist that has devoted her whole career around child psychology and really raising good kids. I love her tagline, making parenting fun again. It is something that me as a parent, I wanna continue to instill those values within my parenting And I hope that you would cross the bridge with us as we look at what looks like to be on mission and disciple our kids and making it fun. And so there's a lot of tools, a lot of tricks, a lot of resources that Malin gives us today. I hope you enjoy. Would you mind subscribing and even liking our podcast? Uh, This helps us get the word out. And even sharing this on social media platforms would help us tremendously. Thanks for joining us and enjoy this podcast.
1: Welcome to the Life and Rhythm podcast, where we hope to equip rhythm communities to be formed by God, with one another, for the good of others, in the valley as it is in heaven.
0: Welcome to the Life and Rhythm podcast. We're joined by another Dr. Maylene Griffiths. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Are you excited? So excited. So excited. Can't
2: wait.
0: She's been just, <laughs> she's just been like calling nonstop. How can I get on get the Life in Rhythm podcast? podcast? Get me on it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's true.
0: So we're in a series called Gospel Clarity, and we're focusing in on parenting this week. And I love your strategy, like the way that you talk about parenting. I have been able to witness you and Brendan, your, your husband, parent your kids and um just enjoy you um as a friend first and foremost Thanks. and then before we were even friends like you came up with these activity cards yeah that i saw online and i got a pack
2: you might have been my first customer and i think y'all were second what? What? but you guys bought two
1: yeah we
0: did Dang we it. You i both. just bought one <laughs> twice as much twice as much <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> Slinging my merch That's before right. you even knew me. <laughs> so we do. We'll have a link in the show notes for yeah. those cards. But we we use those as a family all the time oh, and fine. just practice those games and yeah. and like you've been advocating for just making parenting fun and making uh, just having enjoyment as a family. Like we talked um, and we've talked about this in a lot of different episodes, but just how much formation happens within us as as parents. Like we talk about like hey, we want to look more like Jesus um, quite often on our on our podcasts, and the people that are closest to us help us in that. They also are the ones that show us uh, very clearly when we're messing up and when we're not getting it all right. And so um, I would love to just hear a little bit of your backstory on how you got into clinical psychology and, like, just kind of the journey. Um, do you always want to do this as a career or where did it start?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I I think as a young child, I always knew I wanted to make the lives of kids easier. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that looked like. Mm -hmm. Um, So I initially thought it was being a pediatrician. And I would pretend to be sick at school so I could go (laughs) see the pediatrician and hang out. All day, and they didn't love that. So, <laughs> that didn't go over well with anyone. Um, so, in undergrad, I was doing pre med and I hated it. I really hated learning about the muscles and the bones, and I was like, this is just not it. Um, so, I was a big brother, big sister mentor to a little girl who was tormented by her family for wanting to go to school. Mm. And that really shaped my idea that I wanted to make her life easier and ways that I could do that was through pulling out her strengths so then it kind of shifted into a strength-based approach of helping bring out the strengths in other kids um, and so then through training I was like well I want to work I want to work with the toughest kids so I worked inpatient units and residential units and wow. with the toughest kids I mean the kids that had been sent home from or been kicked out of 20, 30 foster homes wow. nobody wanted to work with these kids And those were the kids I wanted to work with. So um, really getting to see those kids and, you know, with that comes so much. It comes so much things that have been tried and failed. It's home placements that have failed. It's meds that have failed. It's therapies that have failed. And you just get to a place where people are feeling really hopeless. Um, And so being able to see the strengths in those situations really kind of shaped my future in psychology. So um, I don't know that I sought out to get a Ph.D. in psychology that... End road required that. So so I just kept going to school, much to my husband's dismay. (laughs) I was like, we're just going to keep on writing this out. Um, So, like 11 years later, total graduate, you know, undergrad, master's, PhD, residence, internship, training, all that stuff. Um, And throughout all of that, I focused on assessments, which is kind of a strange pivot, but I always felt an interest in meaningful data. So Statistics mean something. This number means something. Like I can look at a like a personality profile and tell you all about this person's life mm. just by the way those numbers are shaped, and that fascinates me. So, yeah. um, so I found myself at a residential facility with sixty-five kids who basically lived there, and and, and they had all failed at being homed in in families. And none of the kids had ever had an assessment. Nobody had ever found out what those kids were good at. Nobody had ever found if there was learning disabilities or mm. if there were IQ differences. And almost every kid was diagnosed bipolar and on lithium, whether they met that criteria or not. And it was just heartbreaking. So I ended up getting about $2 million in grants to start an assessment clinic and got every single kid an assessment and wow. an IEP, for those of you who know what an IEP is, which yeah. are really tough to get for kids. And then that kind of launched off from there. So I have an assessment clinic in Gilbert where I specialize in strength-based assessment for kids. Um, and usually I'm the I'm the last call. The nothing's working. This isn't. We don't know what to do. Uh, pediatricians ha- don't know. Psychiatrists don't know. Therapists don't know. They're failing school. Wow. And so I get parents calling in a really desperate moment. And then the idea is to really help to find the strengths and to make life easier for everyone. So that's kind of the the private practice side of what I do, and then the raising good kids thing is more of a general fun kind of thing where we just try to make parenting fun and easy and apply that to every kid.
0: So how did that start? Tell us a little bit about making parenting fun. Because yeah. that's not something that's commonly, it's not a phrase I hear First a lot. First time I've ever heard of. <laughs> is it? I know. Well,
2: it's off of that. I mean, so I had this idea of what parenting would be, and I think we can all think back to when you found out you were going to have a kid. We're like, oh, oh yeah. and remember like the baby shower and like the, the you know, oh, we have this new, and then you kind of get in it, and you're like, this is not, <laughs> this is not as much fun as I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> um, and I have a, a three year old and a seven year old, so mm-hmm. we're in the trenches right now, and I get it. But what I have seen in working with really tough kids is that when you work from a defensive standpoint or a reactive standpoint, it's so much harder. It's mm-hmm. really, really hard to constantly be reacting to behaviors versus going the other way where you're, you're front-loading skills. You're teaching kids skills before that they know they even need them. Mm-hmm. We're talking about honesty before they get caught lying. We're talking about ambition before they quit the team. We're mm-hmm. talking about how to be a good friend before they even see the new kid in class. So kind of parenting from that angle is so much more fun and rewarding. Mm. It allows for really good connection. So raising good kids kind of got launched off of that idea that I'd rather see your kid now than see them in my office 10 years from now when we could have tried all this stuff ahead of time.
0: Absolutely. Man, I think that's so valuable for kids to see, one, a proactive, intentional approach to parenting instead of what often for me is reactionary yeah. to something that one of my kids has done um, or, or even just like coming from uh, trying to overcorrect what, how I was parented, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. trying to maybe do some, instill some values and things that are like, hey, this, like we're Everett's and we do this. And yeah. like, this is something that I really appreciate about my parents doing, but also here's some things that, you know, my parents did that I, I definitely don't want to do and so I, I sort of maybe swing the pendulum yep. the other way. How have you, um, and you can take this as personal as you want and kind of navigate just how you have handled your own upbringing um, as, as you've filtered through how you were parented and then how you instill some of the values that you've gained, learned, and then incorporated into your own family?
2: Yeah, a good question. I, I think for me, it's always about balance. So I know you said like the pendulum, mm-hmm. like, all right, I was helicopter parent, so now I'm just going to let you run wild mm-hmm. versus, and no one was watching me, so now I'm on you like a hawk. Like really kind of knowing at what side of that pendulum you were either raised on or you were missing and then trying to be in the middle of that. Um, for me, the word unconditional is what kind of is, is what I visualize. And the idea that, I would love for my kids to know unconditionally, no matter what, and we read this book no matter what, mostly when my son's having a tough day. <laughs> <laughs> what is but, the book? But It's no matter what, no matter how grumpy you are, no matter how bad of a day you have, no matter if the whole, if I mean, literally outside of like death and fire, I love you. Uh, no, And I no guess even what. in those contexts too, like I'm here no matter what, like mm. no matter what happens, I know that you went into this with, uh, with good intentions. And even if you didn't, we'll, we'll walk that back and we'll figure it out. But I love you no mm. matter what. Um, and I think and I see that, uh, I guess I see that my kids know that because I'll see my son when I pick him up. And I can tell it's been a tough day because I've checked my email.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I can
2: just see in his eyes it's been a tough day. And he'll look at me and be like, no matter what. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, no matter what, Dude, it doesn't matter. Beautiful. And so that, I mean, at seven, I want him to know that at 16 and at 30 and at, you know, whatever, so
0: cool.
2: no matter what I'm here.
0: Gosh, so. what are, what are some things that you've learned just in, you know, go kind of piggybacking off of that, uh, some challenges that you've learned, um, as you've kind of walked through as a parent, um, when you know, like your inclination is like, to do maybe not what you've studied or know to do yeah. that you've had to, like, fight through over I the don't
2: years. ever make mistakes, Adam.
0: You are perfect in every <laughs> so, way. I'm and not sure I can answer that question. Uh, <laughs> that's coming straight from yeah. your husband. So <laughs> Thank you. we know. Uh,
2: no, no, no. So here's the interesting thing. Uh,
0: here, the reason why I ask that is because I, I do think, like, for us um, in our profession, like, People do see us yeah, yeah. as, like, perfect, I, no. yeah, you know? Yeah,
2: I was going to say, that was a 1,000% um,
0: No, you are perfect. Just the times where, <laughs> where I it's a little, little yeah. bit, you know. Well, so
2: what's funny is that when I was a psychologist before having kids, I was like, here's a book, read this book, and tell me next week what that book was about, and do all these 10 things, and, and they'd come back, and they'd be like, I didn't even buy the book. And I was like, what? Like, you came for, I don't get it. How did you not read the book? You had a week. And now, as a parent, I'm like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) I can barely get through a page in a book. I have like nine books that I've started and haven't even read. Um, So I think your (laughs) your advice that you give to others is really shaped by your personal experience and being in it. And certainly mine has been, too. But there are times where I will lose my cool or I will yell or I will get frustrated um, or I might say something like, your sister never does this. And I would like never tell anyone to say that. So, <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll eat it and I'll catch myself and be like, oh, oh. and and those are the moments because I, I don't want my kids to think I don't make mistakes. I do. Mm. Um, I want them to know that I make mistakes mm. and because they're going to make mistakes. And here's what I do once I've made a mistake. And I think the best way to practice that is by making those mistakes and then talking about it. Um, and that happened literally yesterday. We were at Target. And I was like, no, no toys. We're shopping for somebody else. No one's getting a toy. And of course, we walk out of there and my kids all have like Pikachus and Legos. And (laughs) and I was like, oh, geez. Okay, so all right. And then we get in the car and they're arguing over it. And I was like, oh, like you weren't supposed to get it anyways. And now you have one. But then we got home and I was like, you know, I get it. That was my fault. I said, you weren't getting anything. And I caved and y'all got something. And then you were arguing and it frustrated me. And this is why that frustrated me. And that's it. Like, end, end of story. That was my fault. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: I think, you know, the ability to own up to it and to apologize when we make mistakes is Absolutely. a huge, huge thing that we need to incorporate more.
0: Absolutely. That's good. How, how do you apologize? Like, what's the um, maybe encouragement or um, some advice you get on apologizing? We don't necessarily apologize well. Yeah. As in, in my experience, there's a lot of times where... Um, we we're talking about this earlier. Like we're yeah. all saying, like, "Oh, I'm sorry, you felt that way." Yeah, oh, you know, it's like
1: don't say that. It's like <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: the the scapegoat of
0: apology, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like not an apology at all. Yeah. It's just a slap in the face. Yeah. But uh, as uh, you know, this is obviously a generalization, but as a society, we do struggle with owning up to our mistakes, and yeah. we do struggle with saying I'm sorry, yeah. and we do struggle with. I mean, we'll bury just stuff right all the crap that's gone on with a relationship and we'll just it's kind of fight or flight right and if it's like well you've done this too much to me then i would rather just pull out of the relationship than to apologize to you or (laughs) i'd rather blow up on you and just give you everything um as opposed to really sitting down and having a conversation so how do we how do we navigate that? What are some advice that you would give on just approaching apology and
2: yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I think I got got this visual like a balloon flowing up, uh, filling up. I think sometimes if we don't apologize, what we're doing is just stuffing that balloon. We're mm-hmm. stuffing it and stuffing it. And we're stuffing it, and it just gets so big. So I really like to think of apologies as a way of like letting some of that out of the balloon so that it stays manageable and it doesn't explode. Um, and the other part of that is when we say I'm sorry, it ends. It ends with what I did, and I'm taking ownership for mm. my actions. So I think I've heard this lots of times. I mean, I, you'll hear it as you're listening, too. Um, I'm sorry that I yelled, but you shouldn't have been fighting in the car. I'm sorry that I yelled, but you made me so mad. I'm so, you know, so, so the I'm sorry that I mm. blank doesn't even get heard. What gets heard is uh, the, what the other person did. And, and I think that at some point we should just own up to with the way we behaved. Mm. Um, I also like to do it when things are calm and when someone's ready Mm. or give them the opportunity to accept the apology. So I'll even go to my kids and go, um, hey, uh, I lost, uh, you know, I got a little upset in the car. I'd like to apologize to you. Are you ready to hear it? Would you like a few more minutes? Would you want to come to me and tell me when we can sit and talk about it? So really having that space, that's Mm. a mutual space. Um, I've I've been in times where someone's tried to apologize to me and I'm like, I'm not ready for it right now. And I think we need to respect that in our kids too. And then the the last thing I was thinking about is the word amends. So um, one of the things that I do with kids is how do we make it right when we've made it wrong? Mm. Um, And part of that is making amends. And the go-to that everyone always says is, I'm going to say I'm sorry. Okay. Maybe the first time or the second time, but in my experience, when you've heard the same person say I'm sorry 5 or 6 times, that I'm sorry loses its meaning. Hmm. And so, I like to think about ways that we can make amends that don't involve saying I'm sorry. Um, can you help your sister do her chore? Can you help me cook dinner? Can you make a card for someone, your teacher? Can you I mean, if it's your spouse, can you set aside some quality time with them? Mm-hmm. Can you, so, like, what are, the, what are the next steps besides just I'm sorry? Because I think we, those words start to lose their meaning after a while, too, if there's no action behind them.
1: I think that's a beautiful picture of what might be, I mean, what might really give hope to older parents who have older kids mm-hmm. where they've messed up for a decade or two and then now they have a 25 year old and they yes. don't know how to repair it and they've said I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry. Yeah. And so instead of thinking how can I have this conversation yeah. mm. again maybe the a cool prayerful answer question could be how can I make amends? Like what steps can I actually take to have a more robust reconciliation mm-hmm. in this moment? Like what card I mean I think that's a good Practice not only for a seven-year-old, but for a (laughs) 70-year-old.
2: And it can look as simple as, I'm sorry I wasn't here for you, and here's how I'm going to show you that. X, Y, and Z. With no excuse. Yeah, and then do it. Not, I'm sorry I wasn't here for you, but you weren't here for me either. Cut that out. I'm sorry I wasn't here for you, and and here's how I'm going to show you that I mean that.
1: Yeah, it's so good. I was just, uh, it's really the difference between a genuine apology and kind of a sideways accusation.
2: Yeah, yeah, mm. but we front load it with, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we got to get out of the habit of that. And I think it's just like a new muscle. The more you do it, the better you get at it. The first time you apologize to someone, if you haven't done it in a while, it's going to feel weird. And mm. the second time it feels better. And the third time it just comes natural. It comes easy. Yeah,
0: It's yeah. good. Yeah, it's really good. We started talking a little bit about generational parenting. How have you seen parenting from maybe our parents, or our parents' parents to even today? And then how has it evolved? Because I, I imagine just the pace of everything, like we live at a faster paced culture. Mm-hmm. And so parenting five years ago is completely different in terms of mindset and worldview and you know, all those things. And obviously, like world pandemic and post-COVID. Yeah you know, parenting is probably different than pre-COVID parenting. How have you seen the impacts of culture on kids and then specifically on the forms of parenting?
2: Well I think it's it's definitely changed. So there's two spots of it. I think we are more mindful about how we're parenting. How is this gonna affect my kid? If I do this, if I do that. Sometimes I think we get into a little bit of a trap with that though. Sometimes we give too many choices and there's too much of this and there's too many books to read and there's too many it's like, all right, just do what feels right in your heart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also think what I've been loving is the dual parenting. And I don't care what the parenting household looks like for you, whether it's grandparents or or family friends or partners or whatever it is, but that we're not seeing one person do a lot of the parenting tasks on their own. And this has been a huge shift, even from my son was seven and my husband was changing diapers, and I remember people going, Oh, you got the short end of that stick, having to change the diaper. Or he would stay home, and it would be like, Oh, you, you have to watch your kid. And like, that seems so foreign <laughs> oh, to you're me. Or your babysitting. You're yeah. Like, you're ba- yeah. Wh- Wait, what? And what? <laughs> I know. And, well, that's it. And I think now we've gotten to this place where it's, it's really cool to parent your kids, Mm. both of them. And it's less cool to be the guy that doesn't change diapers. Mm. Like that's not, that's not a a cool thing anymore. So I think that's a huge shift that I've seen. And I think Mm. sometimes maybe for different generations, they have a hard time seeing men step up more and being in the parenting role. And I love that shift. It's been really nice. I think, from what I hear from moms and women is that it's exhausting, and it's—I don't know if anyone's ever stayed home with your kids by yourself for a full day. <laughs> <laughs> it's tiring, um, and it's—and to do it day after day after day after—and be isolated and to not have your own thing and to yeah. constantly meeting the demands of other others—it's just exhausting. And so, um, it's really nice to have that be more of a dual. Shared task in both the positive and the negative so Mm -hmm. that I see dads like, you know Kids want to hang with their dads and connect with them play with them and go to the games with them And that's really awesome, too Versus the like you just come home after you worked all day So I think you know both of those shifts we've seen
1: I was uh, reading a book last year called the domestic monastery And it had a story of a woman who came up to a spiritual writer And she was like I feel so guilty because I just don't want to spend alone time With god because I feel so isolated all the time. Yeah. Mm. And his response was so interesting, and it really, it just made me chuckle, and I was like, that's probably exactly what she needed to hear, was he said to her, no, you don't need any more isolation time. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, get together with another mom, uh, pray a little bit, but just have fun. Like, have coffee with people. You are already in a, you have already made yourself alone by choosing this path. Because it is so hard, day in, day out. Mm -hmm. Exactly what you're saying. Watching a kid one day a week is so different than the five, seven day a week, every day. And my kids do this all the time of like, even though I'm present and we dual parent together... I will be in the room and they will say, Mom! Yeah. <laughs> like, Juice! Right
2: here. Right here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, but, oh, and yeah. you touched on the community aspect too. I think maybe that's a little bit different as we lean on our community mm. a little bit more, which I love. That's and And we're, you know what, I, I think... And initially, people wouldn't tell me when they were struggling in my friend group because they were like, well, I can't tell you when I'm struggling because you never struggle. Mm. And I was like, oh, no, that's not true at all. Um, And so the more that I've been opening up of like, man, yesterday was tough or that was a tough. And then I hear, yeah, this was tough. And I had a tough time. So I think the more we share our vulnerabilities, the more we get that back because we're all experiencing it. And I think it'd be very unique to have somebody who never struggles with their kids, mm. um, who loves parenting all the time, who's always doing it gracefully. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like everybody else feels that way, I don't know that that's accurate. And also, I think we just need to be more vulnerable ourselves to allow that vulnerability back.
0: That's so good. Yeah. There's a couple of things that came to my mind when you're talking about community. One is, um, Sharon and I have talked a lot about this, like, with the people that we choose to have in our home is the filter is not if we like think they're fun and cool but like how how like what kind of values do they uphold and what are the things that just by proximity they're going to be teaching our kids Mm -hmm. by you know them coming into our house Mm -hmm. and so how much of that is a conversation that you guys have with just one setting that those values and and then um kind of going like going a little bit back, um, one, establishing values as a, as a parent or as parents and mm-hmm. as a family. Um, what are some of those values that you guys pulled? And then two, how are you intentional about co-parenting? Because there is a bunch of intentionality because the default, whether we like it or not, sometimes is one or the other from kids. Yeah. And so how are we intentional with you yeah, know, really in that out.
2: Well, and so on the values, I, as a psychologist, a behavioralist, I always link behaviors to values. I think that's mm. really important as a foundation. So um, whatever your values are, we need to know them. We need to identify them. They can be evolving, but let's say kindness is a value mm-hmm. of mine and my family's. What behaviors align with those values? So if we see a neighbor is sick, we help them out. If my son sees someone fall on the playground, the behavior would be to help them up, invite them to play. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, let's see, honesty, integrity is a value of our families. So telling the truth, even if we're going to get in trouble for it, that's one of our values. And when we see behaviors that are inconsistent with those values is when we talk about it, it's not bad, it's not, we're not in trouble or there's not consequences. It's just, I heard that kindness was a value of yours, but then I also heard you pushed your friend and those Mm -hmm. two things don't go together. So tell me more about that. Mm. And really, it's a conversation. So mm. I know that honesty is a value of yours. You want to be known as someone who's honest, that's important to you, yet when something was missing, you lied and said you didn't do it. Mm. Those two things don't match up. So I need I need to know more about that. And really, then it becomes a choice of, am I going to pick behaviors that align with my values mm. or not? You know, and, and the other part, and this could be different for everyone, my values don't have to be the same as my kids. I'd like them to some of them to be, right? Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important that we have those individual values, we have family values, we have Mm. community values, but that there can be layers to those and that they may not always be the same. I I mean, just by nature, they'll probably overlap a lot, but they don't always have to be the same. And even for my son, I mean, there's times where he's like, kindness isn't a value of mine. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll go with you on that, but good luck making friends.
1: You know, oh, yeah.
2: so you know, honesty is not a value of mine. All right, well, when things go missing, guess who we're looking at? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a reason we have those values because that really helps us to navigate relationships. So, I think we get to choose what values we have, and then we also get to choose which ones we don't have, and then that sort of shapes how we we yeah. move through things.
0: Do you do you feel like at this age um, he's able to to grasp that, or what point yeah. was it kind of like well, uh, we're gonna instill these values? This is this is definitely. My value yeah. that I'm imparting on you, yeah. As you learn,
2: we're pretty intentful about it. The nature of being the child of a psychologist is that um, we talk about can't it. Imagine. I know he's going to get a lot of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some good ones for him to see. He's on the wait list. Uh, just kidding. No, but so at dinner time. We talk about what our values are. And I might not use that word value when they're younger, but since he was three or four, we've talked about what's important (laughs) to us, what's important to our family. And when I see him doing those values, I'll use those words. I saw you pick a friend up who fell. Kindness is a value of yours. I can Mm. see that. So I use those words very intentfully as we're just as part of our vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Um, You told the truth. You could have definitely lied to me and you chose not to. Honesty is a value of yours. I see that. So using that in our everyday language. I think Has that always been going. natural
0: to you to, to see it and then call Say it out? It. Cause I feel like that no. is such a muscle that we like,
1: yeah.
0: I think for, for me, I'll just speak for me. Yeah. I would rather give a lecture on kindness, <laughs> right? Like yeah. here's a, you know, going back to your <laughs> okay. reference yeah, of yeah. the book, here's yeah, a yeah. book on kindness yeah. or Hey, Hey, let's, uh, here's a cartoon on kindness and like, yeah. So, they, so we content dra- drive, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. A value, and we think, okay, if we can just instill the knowledge
1: yeah. of
0: kindness, then therefore they will be kind.
2: Mm-hmm. Have you you've talked to teenagers before? I feel oh, like yeah. okay, okay. So my experience <laughs> I, with geez. teaching these things is that I'm I have like a 30 second window before they're like, merp, you're off. Yeah, you're right? done. Yeah, you're out. <laughs> yeah. So I try to jam it in as fast as like you know, but my experience in working with the toughest kids is I'll walk into a room with a kid who's been in a hold for an hour, who threw chairs through windows, who's been hurting themselves by them, you know, in a room, head banging. And I got to come in and talk to you about this. Mm. Right. So my, my lecturing is, is muted. Mm. And how can I very quickly when I see that same kid pick up a piece of trash, go, Oh my gosh, integrity and honesty is a value of yours. You, just, you could have walked right past that and you picked it up. Mm-hmm. That 30 seconds is more meaningful than if I sat down with an hour and said, yeah. let me yeah. lecture you on honesty, right? So, I mean, if I have a kid who is struggling, being a, what we might call a bully at school, struggling with you know seeing someone in need, struggling with compassion and empathy, and I go do a school observation, and I see that kid reach down and help somebody up on the play structure, and I say, oh my goodness, I knew it. I knew that kindness was in you. You look what you just did. That right there will stick with that kid. Oh. You know? And so I think it's those moments yeah. where I just you just kinda get used to like catching kids when they're being good, catching yeah. adults when they're being good. Catching, you know, catching. I was you gonna say we
0: all need that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And because Sometimes you might think it. I've gotten really good, maybe this is a muscle life, like, at saying it. If I mm-hmm. see someone in the grocery store and they're like trotting along with their three-year-old, we know how hard that is. I'll be like, look at you. <laughs> You're doing You're it. You're doing it. <laughs> you went down aisle 10 and you got everything you need. I need needed. you just to follow me around.
0: <laughs> I need <laughs> mail-in in my you. life. I mean, look at Just, just oh, yeah. words of affirmation. Sure.
2: That's true. That's true. Love, love just. Yeah. But because if you think it, say it. I'll even like if you see so true. love those shoes I did
0: not do that That's
2: amazing. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a disconnect between here <laughs> to here. I Don't just say I'm it. like Just say it.
0: Shit. my, my wife Share is like uh I'll be like oh yeah I totally thought that. Yeah yeah. She's like you didn't say you anything. Say I'm yeah. like but I but got, I got it. it, like, is that, yeah. count? Uh, no. is that give me some credit or no. no,
2: but maybe that's, that's it, so it's good. like, practicing flexing that muscle, when you see, catching them being because it feels
0: awkward, right, it feels like, it, I think there is an awkwardness. it's like, it's like anything we do in life, like, yeah. playing the piano is awkward, yeah. you know, initially, because it's like, I'm not very good at this, and I want to be yeah. great yeah. at it, um, but and I want it to be anything, seamless, it's
2: anything, yeah. anything new, so... If you want to practice it without words, next time you're eating, eat with the other hand. Yeah. When you're doing box jumps, box with the jump with the other leg. Um, when you're mm. writing, write with the other hand. It's that muscle that you're flexing that you don't normally use, and it, the second time you do it, the third time, the fourth time, it will get easier and yeah. easier. Yeah. I, I also like to think of, if kids hear negative all day, sit yeah. up, sit straight, don't do that, you disappointed me, ugh, I, I really want to balance that, so my hope is that they'll go? But she saw me pick that kid up off the playground, mm-hmm. yeah. so I'm not a bad kid, yeah. um, you know. But my dad came in my room last night and said, "You're doing amazing," mm-hmm. and I know I'm doing, amazing. you know. So kind of that balance of we know they're going to hear negativity, so how do we balance right. that out?
0: And I'm thinking of so much, like so within, you know, for me personally, my our rhythms are. I have maybe half hour, forty five minutes with them in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then they get home from school, and especially for parents that have kids in sports, yeah. I mean, they're with teachers and coaches, and and then all of a sudden they're home, and they're hangry, and they're tired, you know, all those things. And yeah. we have this short, short window. Mm-hmm. And so just making the intentional efforts of yeah. what can I say in the morning that yeah. will spur on um, or encourage those values? Yeah. You know, what can I, not even what can I say, but how can I... Emulate. What can I do mm-hmm. that's more action oriented of serving them or um, expressing those values that they see that within me? They don't just hear me talk about it, right. but they actually hear. They actually see me display yeah. the values that we're we're discussing.
2: Yeah, and they're watching. They're watching all oh, yeah. the time, all the <laughs> yeah. time. Everything we do, they're watching us. So I think that's really important. I also like to ask questions to field what they're thinking mm-hmm. and then try to shape it if you can. But um, what's your plan for today? Mm. Might give me a good, um, you know, good Sense egg. of where they're yeah. at or yeah. Yeah. what every their headspace night, is. Yeah, every night I end every night with my son. Do you have any questions for me? Mm. Totally open-ended. Any questions for me? Sometimes it will be like, did you hear about the latest Pokemon? And I'm like, I, I did not. Tell and me, then Tell, tell me <laughs> more, please. more about it, yeah. And then other times it will be like, um, so-and-so on the playground doesn't want to be my friend. What should I do? I'm like, oh, I'm glad I didn't close the door. Like, I'm glad we can yeah. now sit and talk about this. So I think having those intentful moments are
0: really important. Um, Talk a little bit more about as you go parenting. So, um, because again, you've alluded to the busyness of life and and then the stresses that kids have with all the things that are going on with them. It's one of the things that we talk about a lot with rhythm is that we want to experience life in rhythm. Mm -hmm. That's not so, um, it's like, you know, I don't know if you've ever driven a a stick shift, but it's like a lot of times it feels like going from first gear to like if Mm -hmm. you just go straight to fourth. Mm -hmm. Like I want to go faster. I want to go like, Mm -hmm. I want to ultimately get to fourth gear. But if you go first to fourth, you're going to be putting along and most of the time you're going to kill it, right? Yeah. And so I feel like that with parenting a lot of times. It's like I want to go from first to fourth. Um And so often, at least for me, and again, this is a generalization of our culture, it's like content driven. Like if my kid just knows these things mm-hmm. about kindness or or mm-hmm. um, grace or love or any of these uh, qualities, then, you know, they're going to then act upon it. Yeah. Um, but so much of it is just caught, not taught. And And so I've heard you talk about a lot of just... Making things fun, expressing values as you go along. Mm-hmm. Share a little bit more about that, and just how you've approached that as a parent. And then, what would you encourage parents with? Again, busy schedules, life, all that. Um, I feel like a lot of times it's just a scapegoat. You know, it's like, well, I don't have time to do that. Right. I don't have Someone time. else will teach them that. We'll yeah. we'll say this a lot. Like, I don't have time to. We'll use the word disciple. Yeah. I don't have time to show my kids Jesus. Is really what what we're saying with discipleship is yeah. I'm following Jesus right. and I want to show my kids what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah. That's it. Um, but so much we look at it as like, Oh, this like, so big.
2: This is well, so big thing. Yeah. That's the flow that rhythm is all about. Challenge and skill, mm. challenge and skill. So we did like a, an L shape axis challenge one side, skill the other flow is in the center mm-hmm. If we if it's too much of a challenge, if it's first to fourth gear, that makes us anxious. Mm-hmm. How do I get to fourth gear if I'm in first? I don't know. It's too much of a challenge. And then yeah. not enough skill makes us quit. I don't yeah. have the tools, so I'm just not going to do it. Too much skill <laughs> and not enough challenge, we get bored. Mm-hmm. So really, it's kind of that flow of being in between there. So start little steps. Maybe I'm just going to point out everything good that I see for a week. Um, and that's it. Um, and I'm going to see how that goes. I'm going to be... How, here's my favorite one that parents get real anxious about. The next time I'm with my kid, I'm going to put my phone in the other room, and I'm going to announce that I'm putting my phone in the other room. Hey, I can't wait to play with you. I'm going to put my phone in the other room so I'm not distracted. That's Dang. it. And and what I'm telling my my kid is that nothing is more important than you. Mm. Nothing. Can you imagine playing with your kid... even playing with somebody else and they're checking their phone the whole time if I was a kid I'd be thinking well who's more important than me clearly Mm. something's more important than me so I'm intentfully announcing uh, I have I got 30 minutes of time for us to hang out I'm gonna put my phone in the other room so that nothing is distracting me because it's just me and you time Um, so that could be a small step right so that's a little challenge that makes us feel a little anxious because we don't like not having our phones with us but now we're developing that we're getting better we're getting better now I can go an hour without it now I you know Mm. I don't even need that so just trying your best, and we do, um, so we practice these little skills when we're out, but we make it a game, so my kids don't know that they're learning it, we're just doing it. So mm-hmm. um, Target, checkout. Target in general is tough for me.
1: <laughs> it's a uh, crucible. <laughs> when yeah. it yeah. to
2: impulse target. control. <laughs> yeah. So we play target. stay on track mom game, and when I, I will announce like the five things we're there for, and when mom starts to look at shoes and hair stuff and this, the kids go stay on track mom, but when they go, I want to look at a toy, I want to this, I go, we got to stay on tracks. So we play that game. Damn and track. then grocery store go. checkouts. I think they do, this is our test, to get out of the grocery store without touching the gum and the candy and the magazines. Okay. But it's hard for us. So here's my thoughts. I can't expect my kid not to grab things. Mm. If they're watching me pick up nine packs of gum and a magazine and a soda, and then I tell my kid better have impulse control <laughs> but don't yeah. touch anything right so we play it together so and we'll say right before her, we're going to check out this is going to be really hard it's going to be a very big challenge but we're going to do this we can do this we're Griffiths and we can do this and we get all hyped up to check you probably yes. follow me around in Target or the grocery store it's fun again yeah. I
0: need you I'm, in my life I'm This is. A
2: safe way and I'm in the zone so when we get there and we're like alright we're going to keep our hands to ourselves and we're going to do this and we do it my kids can do it and we can get through it and at the feeling end feeling like a the Rocky oh. theme music yeah, going yeah, and we yeah. Get through the end and they look at me and I'm like we did yes. it we did it yeah and we check out but that's that like it's fun yeah. now checking out at the grocery store isn't it? don't touch that put yeah. that back don't touch that stop it Gosh. you're making me so mad it's a fun game that we play to like see if I can do it and if they can do it so that's that flow like and the idea of flow is that you don't really know yeah. that time is passing you're not right. going like, oh, I'm in the worst line. Yeah. Oh, this is taking forever. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to check out. By the time we get done with that game, like it, we just had so much fun checking out at Safeway. It's fun. Yeah.
0: Is there So the line, is, yeah. there a, is there like, okay, a value of ours or something, a characteristic I want to instill in my kids is patience. Like, yeah, that's it. So like just being able to take the opportunity. Yeah. Hey, there's an opportunity here yeah. for us to practice patience yeah. and then be, be able to make it a fun game yeah. that you're both are playing and participating mm-hmm. in. So those types of things, I think that's that's brilliant. Yeah. I love well, that. And, there's,
2: and I'm also not, like, consequencing in it, too. Like, my, of course, my kid like might grab something and I go, oh, strike one. Like, let's try again. Put it back. And he knows, and so we'll put it back. You know, it's not like, you touched it and, you know, none of that stuff. So, because I make mistakes and he makes mistakes. And sometimes I'll, one of my favorite things to do, this is a side, but I'll pretend to be really frustrated at home. Not that I have to pretend often, but, like, I'll be like, oh, I'm so mad. I'm so mad. Do you have any ideas how I can calm down? And my son will be like, here's a glitter jar, and let's take deep (laughs) breaths, and come to my calming corner. And I'm like, oh, you're so helpful. And so we'll go, and I'll take deep breathing stuff with this calming stuff, and he'll be like, this helps me. I'm like, this helps me, too. And, you know, so we, like, we practice these things. So they need to see me (laughs) doing it. They have to see me doing it. Because if they can see that I can do it, then they know they can do it. And so, again, and that's much much more fun that I front-loaded all those skills. So yeah. even my, my three-year-old, when she was two, she would get frustrated and she would go in her calming corner and she'd dump yeah. out her calming box and she'd shake her little calming jar and she would show my husband all the things in her box and then she'd be like, it feels better now, huh? <laughs> like, do yeah. all of them. So this is stuff at two we can yeah. we can teach.
1: Absolutely. So much of what you're saying, um, which I could talk for another 45 minutes Yeah. with you.
0: Oh, yeah. You're so helpful.
1: Get your quote so in. in. Well, so, so much of what you're saying... Just it reminds me of the great theologian <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Here we go. Yes. Wow. There it is. We we can. Yes. That says, you know, sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. And so much of what you're talking about is little steps here. Yeah. Little comments here. Uh-huh. Not, hey, let's have a five-hour press conference with our kids. No, because
2: no one's listening. Nobody's
1: listening. With teenagers, what you said, I got to get them in that 30 seconds. I got to, when I catch them doing good, I got to break into that moment. And I got to build that heart with that little thing. And as you do that over and over and over again, you're building healthy attachments Mm -hmm. with you and with them. You're helping them to feel seen and known and loved and... All that stuff, and it reminds me of, like, we talk about the Great Commission and the Great Commandment all the time, that we want to make disciples, but if we're not doing that in love, if we're not taking these baby steps of love, then we're not doing it. But that's rooted in like Deuteronomy 6, thousands of years before Jesus. Can I just read this? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, And it just says, you know, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. Repeat them again and again, to your kids. So it's not a one-time thing. It's an over and over again, little, little, little. Mm-hmm. Talk about them when you're at home, what you were saying, Adam, as you go. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, tie them on your hands, wear them on your foreheads, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Mm-hmm. It's this idea of like, let's create an environment as we go through life, whether it's Target or we're, on, we're in a van ride home and we just had a chaotic day. Yeah. Let's create little moments where we're cultivating spirits of love at home. Mhm. Where all like every single one of these kids matters not only to us but to God. And so I just I just want to say a hearty amen to everything you're saying and just say let it be in in our parenting. Let Absolutely. it be. I mean, I just think the world would be so much better.
2: Yeah, and you can do it. And you don't need a PhD in parenting. I just happen to have read all the books and got all the student loans for you. So, you don't you don't need <laughs> to have anybody can do this. Anybody can walk down the aisle of Target and not touch things. That's like good. you don't need to know all of this to know that if these are values of yours, you can you can teach them.
1: So grateful for what you Yeah, do.
0: absolutely. I think this is um, just remarkable. I was talking to you before we got on, uh, you know, when I listen to you talk about parenting, I see you parent. I see so much Um, if Jesus was a parent I see that in you I just affirm that like the way in which you parent is not shame driven or guilt driven it's not this wrathful vengeance like hey you're gonna do this under my command and if you don't do it then this is your consequence and you know so much of what we talk about with shaping the gospel is how we've been parented like the way in which we see um, God the father is how our dad you know us, parents us, instill these values within us, and so it's either a very positive thing or, Mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately, a lot of times can be a negative thing. Um, And that's the disconnect, right, is when we say as parents, do what I say, not as I do. And, (laughs) um, you know, we talk a lot about Jesus, and we talk a lot about, like, going to church, and we talk a lot about all these things, right, that are... um, you know, quote unquote, values of ours. But I don't know if you can call them values if you don't emulate them, yeah, you if you don't do practice one. them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're values because they're, they're things that we uh, we instill. And not just instill from the standpoint of talking about it and teaching on it, but how we actually live it out. Yeah. And so I just want to frame you in that. I see you do that. And yeah. I'm grateful for you. And I think this is, is huge for our community as we continue to live, um, you know, with a mindset that we are the church outside of going to a function on Sunday morning. Like yeah. we can live this out and we can live these values out. Mm-hmm. And as Matt mentioned earlier, like we, um, we can't do the Great Commission without having a great commandment heart to love God and love others um, and to love ourselves. And then to display that in our lives and through our kids and so that our kids can see that and see the goodness and grace of God. So we are grateful for you. Um, before, we, before we end, I would love to just ask you, um, how would you encourage parents to experience life in rhythm?
2: Well, I think trying something that feels a little uncomfortable is a way to start. You know, I think we have a tendency to not try new things because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. So we just go back to what we've been doing. Um, But maybe ask yourself, is this working? Is what I'm doing working for me? And if the answer is no or not to the best that it could, then try something different. Try something new. Um, I try my best um, to share little ways that parents can do that, um, mostly on Instagram, but at Raising Good Kids. So parents can try out new little things where they might want to... Ask it in a different way, or try a different game, or you know, so really flexing that. And I think the the more you try it, the better it will get, and you'll you'll pivot from a reactive stance to a proactive stance, and it Absolutely. feels and that feels so different. You'll know you'll know when you've made that shift because it feels so different.
0: Awesome, so good. Yeah, thanks for being on the Life and of the podcast. Appreciate you. Yeah, uh, thank you. We'll have the show notes, and the show notes will have your handle, so we can see they can follow you at.
1: Raising good kids. Raising
0: good kids. And and then RaisingGoodKids.com.
2: got the domain. Yeah. Awesome.
0: And and then they can find the activities there. Yeah. Purchase uh-huh. those. Yep.
2: Yep. So there'll be a membership site too that people can join to have constant content coming in. There's we're doing calming box kits. Cool. Um, we've got those cards. You've got everything you need. So if you're awesome. interested, we're there.
0: Cool. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: See you next week. Peace. <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life in Rhythm podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.